This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. If you've, if you've been around the church for a while, you realize that my ability to work with my hands is incredibly limited. And when my kids were younger, I would put up Christmas lights. And it would take me usually three times longer than anybody else to put up Christmas lights. And so when my children left home, freedom has come. And I want to thank the individual who ever created laser lights because it takes me now like 30 minutes to put laser lights for them, point them at the house, and, and we are done. I do not have the worst lights in my neighborhood. Um, the, the guy across the street from me has the worst because he has nothing. I'm, I'm second place to him with, with uh, pretty cheesy looking laser lights, but hey, I, I did my part. It's Christmas lights. I, 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 like, I like Christmas lights. I, I enjoy them, and I especially enjoy them on other people's homes. And, uh, and, and why, I just, I think that's great. And, uh, but it, it, is a, it is a fun part. I do admit though, I am very good at one thing. When, when January 1st comes, those lights are gone. And I, I don't know, some of you, I know y'all like to keep them on all throughout January and bless your heart. Uh, <laughs> th- there was, there was a, a pastor who was writing about um, about 50 years ago, he said in his neighborhood, he said there was in his subdivision, there was, a, there was some folks right there at the beginning of the subdivision. They kept their lights on throughout January and throughout February. And in February, he started to complain a bit. And he's thinking, come on, man. I mean, this is, you understand this is before you can blow someone up on social media, right? So this is, he's just complaining to himself thinking, come on, if you're too lazy to take down the Christmas lights, at least don't cut them on right? And the Christmas lights were still up in March. And then he found out why. One day they came by and there was a big sign in the yard that said, welcome home, Jimmy. And he found out that this family had a son that was serving in Vietnam. And they kept those lights on, burning for him in hopes that he one day too would come back to the home. He said those Christmas lights for them were a beacon of hope. This morning, as we're starting a series called Christmas Lights, I'm going to talk about hope this morning, the light of renewed hope. Hope, and I'll use the word interchangeably with what it actually means, is expectation. When you have hope, you have expectation. And we understand that from Christmas. Christmas is a time of expectations. For example, everyone knows that if you're a child, it's an exciting time. And you're looking forward to receiving presents. And by the way, this toy drive that we did this year, you guys knocked it out of the park. Our biggest toy drive ever. Thank you for all the, all the work you did with that. Because I, I really do think it's important for kids to get presents at, at Christmas. And so they, um, that's, that's a, they're excited. You know kids, are, but they're, they're already pumped up. They're pumped up now. And so they're excited about this. But there's the other side of that. And that's the expectation of the parents who have to track those presents down and get them because I understand that sometimes supplies, my son told me he can't get Barbies and Legos and uh, having a hard time tracking those down. There's another negative expectation. It's trying to track down a lost shipment. Now, for those of you who are patient people, my wife is a very patient person, but you want to get joy, you want to set her off, let her catch a foreign call center after she's already been on the phone for about an hour 
trying to track down a large order that got misplaced somewhere. She came to me the other day. She said, Alan, she said, I swear, when I was talking to some lady, she couldn't hardly speak English, and there were roosters in the background when she was talking to me. <laughs> so y'all think Joy's a saint? <laughs> Put her on a foreign call so her, watch her, watch her. You know, I just tell her, darling, you just need to be patient. You just need to be patient like me. <laughs> That's my one chance. There's the, there's the expectation of being able to spend time with, with friends and family. That's always a fun time of the year when you get together. I think the, the negative side of that is this year, many families are limited by COVID-19 restrictions. Some states are almost shut down. And so it, it makes it difficult. And, and I really think that Christmas is difficult, especially for people who are going to have to spend Christmas alone. And I, for those of you who are having to spend Christmas alone, let me just share, just share one thing. Don't allow a day to define you. I, I know sometimes that people say, oh, it's Christmas, and if, if I have to spend Christmas alone, it's so horrible, and everyone says, oh, that's so terrible. And yeah, it's, it's not good, but you're not a loser just because you have to spend Christmas alone because the next day is called December 26, and life goes back to normal. So don't ever allow a day to define you, and don't ever allow the enemy to beat you up about it. And besides, if you have the Lord, you're really not alone. And you'll be able to do that. So we love you. You are loved. And just don't let that day drive you into despair. Another expectation is the expectation of, of the Christmas traditions and the normalcy it kind of brings to our life. We bring out the same ornaments. We sing some of the same songs. And I just wanted to, to take a, a moment to say this year, uh, Justin and I got together and I told Justin, I said, with all the craziness this year, I said, I, I think we need to have a, a different kind of Christmas service. And so he, he's, he is well known for his production. But this year, it, it, we've toned it down a bit. And what we're calling it is a very classical Christmas and a very comforting Christmas. Because if there's any year that we need comfort, it's this one. And so I, I encourage you to come. It's, it's going to be, he and his team are geniuses on what they put together. And it's going to be a beautiful, a beautiful time. So there's the, the Christmas traditions, but it's very challenging for people who are still undergo some of the same traditions, but there are certain loved ones who are not in their lives anymore. And that makes it challenging. So expectations are a part of Christmas. But my question to you this morning is, what are your expectations of God? Are you expecting anything good? It's good if you're expecting God to be involved in your life. It's good if you're expecting that, that, that he's engaged with you. That's a good expectation. But oftentimes, people have an expectation, either the disappointments or the distractions have caused them to really dampen down their expectations of God ever doing anything good. And expectation is a powerful thing. It's a, it's a powerful thing in our lives. It centers us in our lives. The psalmist said it this way, and this is one of my favorite psalms. It said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have lost heart, he said, unless I'd believe to see something good. Back in the 90s, uh, a new phenomenon hit my family, and that was the ability to tape television shows or games on VCR. And for those of you who can remember the 90s, that's what we did. We we taped them on the VCR, 
And uh, I used to take basketball games when I was living in North Carolina. I grew up in North Carolina. It's a very big basketball state. And so you either pull for Duke or you pull for Carolina. And so I was a Duke fan. And I would, I would tape Duke games. Sometimes I, had, I, I couldn't watch the game, so I would tape the game. Well, I asked a friend one time. I said, hey, who won the game? He said, do you really want to know? I said, yeah, I really want to know. He said, Duke won. I said, are you sure? He said, they won. It was, it was great. I said, great, I'm going to watch it. So I go, because here's the deal. If he had told me Duke lost, I wouldn't have watched the game. Because who needs the agony? Ask me if I'm taping Texan game. No. I don't need the agony. And so, and so the idea was, hey, I already know who wins. So I sit down. I got my snacks. I'm watching the game. And I'm, and I'm watching this one game. And it was like, what's going on here? Because Duke is getting beat kind of bad. And, and, and I had this nagging thought. Did my friend lie to me? But then I thought, no, no, I, I know him. He's a fan. He wouldn't lie to me on this. I know he told me the truth. I'm going to stay here and watch. And sure enough, I stay there. I didn't get up. I didn't get nervous. It, it bothered me a little bit. But sure enough, they came back. It was an amazing game. And they won. But I was able to stay steady because I knew what was going to happen. Listen, here's the, here's the good news, guys. We got a lot of stuff going on. But if you believe that something good is coming your way, if you believe that God is going to be good to you, it keeps us steady. It keeps us stable. And we're looking and saying, man, there's a lot of stuff going on, but I believe I know how this ends. And it ends with God's goodness showing up in my life. And that helps me stay. He said, I would have lost heart unless I believed I would see. Hope. Expectation of something good. There's a couple in the Bible that is, is a great example of hope being renewed in their life. Their names are Zacharias and Elizabeth. And Zacharias and Elizabeth, he was a priest about the time that Jesus was born. In fact, uh, they were the parents of John the Baptist. John and Jesus were cousins. And so Zacharias and Elizabeth, the Bible said they were really an upright couple. Another, and the Bible says you're upright and you're blameless. It doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means you're giving it a good shot. These are good people. They're following God. But they had one thing missing in their life. They had never had a child. And this was something they had prayed about. But now they've gotten older and they're past the point of expectation. They hadn't given up on God, but they weren't expecting him to do anything good. And so here's Zacharias. He's still serving God, still going through the motions. But he comes down to the time where he needs to go into the temple to burn incense. And we see what happens here. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, Zacharias, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. Guys, right, right there, that's a good marriage tip right there. Um, and the angel answered and said to him, I'm Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you'll be mute and not able to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Zacharias goes in to the, to the temple and he's burning incense and an angel pops up 
And the angel said, Zacharias, I got some good news, babe. Good news. You're, you're going to have a son. And Zacharias, for the most part, rejected what the angel had said. Because already in his own mind, he had reasons not to believe that this promise. This was a promise the angel had given him. He didn't have a son yet. He's going to have a son. That's a, that's a hope. That's an expectation. Zacharias, he had in his own mind reasons to doubt. It hadn't happened so far. And now we're too old. So Zacharias was, you talk about having damped down expectations. He just didn't believe it was going to happen at all. And so he asked the angel a question that he probably should have never asked. He basically looked at the angel and goes, how do I know you're telling me the truth? My suggestion, if an angel ever does appear to you and he tells you something, just smile and go, hallelujah, that's, that's, that's great news. Because the, the angel, when, when he gave him the good news and Zacharias rejected it, it's interesting what happened next because the angel said, well, he said, you're not going to be able to speak. Now, here's the thing. Zacharias could have believed the angel. He could have made the choice to believe the glad tidings. That's what the angel said. He said, Zach, I came to bring you and Liz some glad tidings, bro. This is good news. You're going to have a boy. And, and Zacharias, he could have believed that. He said, well, Alan, why could he have believed it? For one, he already had a precedent. Abra he knew the scriptures. He was a priest. Abraham and Sarah had had a baby in their old age. Samson's parents had had a baby in their old age. The Shunammite woman had a baby, even though her husband was old. So there's a precedent that God is able to do some amazing things. And Zacharias could have said, hallelujah, thank you. We've been praying about this a long time. I am so glad. But he goes, how do I know you're telling me the truth? And the angel said, well, you're not going to be able to speak. Now listen, if he couldn't help himself, if it was just beyond him, it would have been wrong for God to make him mute for nine months. He can't speak. Nine months. The guy can't speak. Well, you said, well, God punishing him? I think God was saving him. Because your words, he, he probably would have walked home. And when he got home, Elizabeth said, hey, baby, how was work? And he went, well, kind of a crazy day. I'm having, here I'm burning the incense. An angel shows up, says we're going to have a baby. And I went, we're not going to have a baby. And he, he could have talked himself straight out of that or could have talked that, her out of it when she was pregnant. But for nine months, that woman enjoyed pure silence in the home because <laughs> she comes, hey, baby, how was work? And he's like, mm, 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 mm. <laughs> and she's like, that's good, sweetheart. Sit down and get you something to eat. But the, the idea was this. Is it was going to be fulfilled. And Zacharias had nine months to think about it. And his, his, they had the baby. Sure enough, John, everybody's happy. They're going to name the baby. And they said, well, we're going to name him Jewish tradition. We're going to name the baby after his father. And Elizabeth goes, time out. Baby's name is John. They went, silly Elizabeth, that's not how we do things. We named the baby after his father. He said, hey, hey Zach, what, what are we going to name the baby? And Zacharias takes the tablet and he writes, his name is John. When Zacharias did that, what he, what he did was something powerful. He acknowledged, God, you did this in my life. This was not luck. It was not chance. It was not, well, we just happened to hit the lottery. It was God. Thank you. If it wasn't for you, this would have never happened. His name is John. And when he said that, his mouth was opened. And he, he was able to speak. Hope. Having an expectation renewed. How about you? How's your hope? How's your expectation during this season, during this year? 
This has been a year where we have to recognize the things that are dampening our hope. I believe there's many people who you've not given up on God, but you have given up on him doing anything good in your life. It's the distractions. It's the discouragement, the disappointment, the time that's passed. You haven't seen anything good. And hope has just been dampened down. So this year, <laughs> this year has been a banner year for throwing the wet blanket on people's hope. As we've looked at all the things that have gone on, all the, the stuff with the, the COVID, all the stuff with the government, all the stuff with the economy. As we've looked at this, it's been a tough year. And a lot of people have lost that expectation that God's going to do anything good in their life. I mean, how could God do something good in a time like this? It's interesting if you'll go back in, the, in Luke, the first chapter, and read that story of Zacharias and Elizabeth, it's interesting how Luke starts it. He starts it in verse 5 where he said, In the days of Herod, king of Judea. In the days of Herod. Herod was a man who eventually went crazy. He was mentally unstable. You talk about bad government? This was bad government. He wasn't conservative. He wasn't liberal. He was brutal. He killed his wife. He killed all her family. He killed his oldest son. He was the one that three years after this was written would be the one that would send his soldiers out into the area surrounding Bethlehem and killed all the baby boys who were two years old and younger. What kind of monster do you have to be to kill and take a two-year-old out of his mother's arms and kill him? That's a, that's a horrible thing. But as I was reading that, I thought, you know, even in the middle of a horrible king and a horrible government, God was working. Guys, I, I, I pray for good government. We need good government in our nation. But let me just tell you this. God is still able to move and he's still God even when government is not good and he can still do some great things. So we have to have reasons. We have to recognize what's dampening down my hope. Then here's my question for you this morning. What's, what are, what's the good news in your life? What's the glad tidings in your life? What are the promises in your life that you say, man, I'm, I'm holding on to? Maybe you think, well, you know, Alan, if I had an angel appear to me, maybe I could have a reason to, to have some hope. Listen, you don't need an angel to show up. You have promises. Look what Peter wrote to the church in 2 Peter. He said, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. You know, God, if you belong to Jesus, God has given you in Christ, exceedingly great and precious promises. These are, these are marvelous promises. So, and these promises can cause you to rejoice. These promises can cause you to be glad. If Zacharias had heard the angel say, Zacharias, you and Liz are going to have a baby boy. He could have said, praise God, that is so good. I'm so excited about that. Even though it hadn't come to pass, he could have believed what the angel has said. Listen, guys, even though some things haven't come to pass in our life, we still have promises of God that belong to us that we can lay hold of. We have promises of his help. He said that he would never, in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, he said he would never leave us and he would never forsake us. And we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I'll not fear what man can do to me. We have promises of answered prayer. Jesus said, ask 
and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. We have promises of wisdom. James would say, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally without reproach and it will be given to him. We have promises of strength. James says that in James 4, 4, 6, that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And that means strength. And Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled and neither let it be afraid. These promises belong to us. And we can make them, and it's just, listen, it's even more real than if an angel showed up in your bedroom tonight and said, I'm an angel. Yay, yay, hey, hey, the promises belong to you. Well, you'd have been real excited about that, but the bottom line is you don't have to have an angel to show up. You've already got his word on this. Those are real. What promises are you holding on to? Joy and I watched a movie a number of years ago called Woman in Gold. It's a good movie. True story about a lady who was Jewish in Vienna, Austria, about the time that Hitler began to come in. She was a part of a wealthy family that had beautiful paintings. It really is a good movie. But in this movie, the, the parents realize that their daughter, Maria, the lady, that she is, that she is in danger because the, the Nazis are coming in and they're starting to really put pressure on the Jews. So they're getting her out to go to America. They've arranged passage. She's leaving. And as she gets ready to leave and to go, the father brings her in and they're having this, this last conversation. They're speaking in German. You see it subtitled. And she says, I don't want to go, Papa. And, and, and he says, I know, but you have to go. You have to leave. And then the father looks at her, got tears in his eyes. He said, so now? He said, we will speak in English. He said, it's the language of your future. Going to America, she would be speaking English. That was the language of her future, not what was going on then. What, was go what, would be, what would be the language as she moved to America? When Joy and I saw that, both of us just have thought, oh, that's, isn't that good? There's so much stuff going on right now, but that's not my language. I take the languages of God's promises, and that's the language of my future. I may not be in peace now, but I got a promise of peace. I may not know exactly what to do now, but I got a promise of wisdom. I may not know exactly where it's going to come from, but I got a promise that even in the middle of a famine, God can satisfy and take care of me. I've got promises that become the language of my future. Don't get stuck just in the, in the what's going on now. Begin to say, God, God, thank you that you've got promises for me. And as I look to the future, there's a different language I'm speaking. It's the language of your goodness in my life. It's the language, his promises. And guys, you can take his promise. Listen, you can even just go home and Google the promises of God and ask God. It would be a great thing to do this year. Ask God, God, what's your promise for me? What's your promise for my family in 2021? That will make a huge difference. The language, what's the language of my future? If we're going to renew our hope, the best way we can do it is to strengthen our connection with the God of hope. In Romans 15, 13. And may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love that verse. That God wants us abounding in expectation. That we're expecting something good. Listen, when you start reading those promises and, and, and you think to yourself, oh, well, I, I, don't know if I, can, I don't know if I can believe that. Be like Zacharias. Don't say anything. Don't talk yourself out. Don't dampen the promises. Dampen your doubt. 
Don't talk. When you talk about the promises, talk about them as going, I choose to believe this. I choose to believe, God, I can have your peace. I choose to believe, God, that you can give me your wisdom. I choose to believe in your provision. Talk about the promises. In other words, you're, you're helping to establish those promises in your life. And when you begin to do that, and, and I would encourage you, do it out loud. When you're by yourself, just do it out loud. Say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for this promise. Thank you. I believe this. This is, this is something that's helping me. This is something that gives me a future, something that gives me hope. There was a, years ago in England, a well-known minister by the name of F.B. Meyer. He was a pastor, an author, just a, just a godly man, a lot of, a lot of wisdom, uh, very practical. He said he was riding a train or tram in London, North London. He said, and he saw a lady on the tram. They, they called her a charwoman. That was English term. It basically meant she would go and clean other people's homes or offices. She was a maid. She was elderly. And F.B. Meyer noticed she looked anything but happy. She looked miserable. Well, everyone emptied off the, the tram. The only two people left were F.B. Meyer and this, and this young, this old elderly maid. And the maid had recognized Meyer and she went to him and said, may I speak with you? And he said, yes. And she began to tell him her story. She was a widow. She said her husband had died. And she had a daughter. She had had a daughter who had been uh, disabled. Daughter could never leave a room. They lived in a one-room home. And she could never leave her, her room. He said, but my daughter was such a bright spot in my life. So I would go home, and, and my daughter was always there to greet me. I could tell her about my day, and she would always listen. We'd have tea together, and I could talk to her. He said, even in the night, I could reach my hand out, and I knew she was there. She said, but my daughter's died. She said, she looked at Meyer. She said, I am alone, and I am miserable. And my home is not even a home anymore because she's no longer there. F.B. Meyer said as he was listening to her, he said he was on, on attention. He needed, he only had a few minutes. He really needed God to, to help him. And, and the Lord gave him something so good for her. And he looked at this, this lady. He said, listen, he said, tonight when you, when you go home and you put your key in the lock, you say out loud, Jesus, I know you're here. And when you enter that door, you greet him directly. Jesus, thank you for being here. He said, if you've had a good day, tell him about it. If you've had a bad day, tell him about it. He said, make sure to have your tea and talk with him. I said, then at night, when you wake up in the night and it's dark, when you reach out and you say out loud, Jesus, I know you're here. Then they arrived at the terminal and, and Meyer had to get off. Months later, he's on that same tram and he looks up and, and a lady's approaching him. So, Mr. Meyer, may I talk to you? He said, yes. She said, you don't recognize me, do you? He said, no, ma'am, I do not. She said, I'm that, I'm that same lady that you talked to who was so despondent. And he looked at her and said, you can't be the same woman. Her whole countenance had changed. She said, I did exactly what you said. When I went home, I began to say, Jesus, I know you're here. I began to talk to him as if he was real. She said, at night, when I would reach out, I would say, Jesus, I know you're here. She said, he's become so real to me. He's completely changed my life. She was no longer miserable. She, she had a promise that he would never leave her or forsake her. She took that promise and she made it hers. And it gave her hope. And hope changed her whole countenance, changed who she was. She said, he's become so real to me. 1886, they wrote a, they wrote a hymn. People still sing it today. 
standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. There's a one line in there that says, standing on his promises, I cannot fall. What a wonderful way to look at this upcoming year is that the light that shines on us is the light of God's word and his promises. As we look at 2021, we're not standing alone. We're not standing in doubt and uncertainty. We are standing on the promises of God. And we believe we'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Would you bow your head just for a moment? Please, no one leaving will be out of here in just a couple of minutes. We're actually right on time. But if you came this morning and, and you said, you know what, Alan, I, I don't know that I have a relationship with the Lord or I know I've been away from him and I want to come back, we're going to say a very simple prayer. And this prayer is for you. But I'm, I am going to ask you to do one thing. If you want in on this prayer, you say, I'm not sure about my relationship with the Lord, but I want to be. Or I, I had a relationship with him and I've gotten away and I want to come back. Would you pray for me? Could you slip your hand up just across the auditorium? Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Anybody else? Say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me? Great. Thank you. Appreciate that. You can put your hands down. Thank you for your courage. Now, we're going to say a prayer. Maybe you didn't lift your hand. You wanted to. You can get in on this prayer. This is a heart prayer. We always encourage you to pray it out loud. There's something powerful in our words when we hear it. And so you pray it out loud. People watching it online, they can, they can pray it if they're by themselves. They can pray it out loud quietly if they're with others. We're going to pray it out loud here. In fact, we're going to join you as a church family. You're not going to be praying this by yourself. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. And I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, still. Heavenly Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. It's a powerful prayer. And Father, for those who've stepped out of darkness into your marvelous light, and for those who've come back home, we rejoice with them at the greatest promise ever given us that if we would believe, we would have eternal life. What a blessing that is. And Father, for the rest, those who, who know you, those who've been walking with you, those who, Father, who may have, have still held on to you, but have lost any expectation of good, Father, stir up expectation in our hearts. Reveal your promises that we can stand on in the upcoming year. And Father, thank you. We do not stand in darkness, nor do we stand alone. We stand in expectation. We stand in hope because we stand with you. And we give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you have prayed that prayer with us this morning or in time past, and you've never taken the next step, let us pray for you. And there's a, a card that you can, it's right by your feet. It says, yes. If you fill it out, we'll even get some information to you. If you just write your name and decision, we're going to pray for you. Or you can text the word N to 313131. And we will, man, we'll pray for you. We don't miss. Let me bless you before we go. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you 
His favor and give you His peace. We love you. We're praying for you. Have a wonderful day. God bless, guys. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.